You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Welcome to the Ruby on Rails podcast, episode 494. I'm your co-host, Nick Schwaderer. Today, we are coming to you live from the second day Rails world. And I am very pleased to have an exceptional guest. So you can hear the hum of the crowd. We're actually in the throngs, in the big lounge of the, I can't pronounce the venue name. It's like Bels van Berlage, right in the middle of Amsterdam. And today I am thrilled to have a fantastic guest here. But before I spoil the surprise, well, you may see it in the episode, I will briefly talk about our sponsor. So we have a podcast sponsor for this conference and it's Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout have very kindly put together booth to record in and allowed probably dozens of shows to be recorded from five or six or seven different podcasts, which I don't know if it's been done before. And they've really stepped it up. I was talking to Tom Rossi, who's also helping everyone get in the booth and about their sponsorship and what they wanted me to say in the spot. And they said, honestly, we just use Rails. And we saw this as a chance for our company to give back to the community, which I kind of think if you're a Ruby podcast, potential Ruby podcaster out there or want to start something and want to go somewhere, it's kind of cool to think that you could start on tooling that really supports the community. Also, we do have a promo code. So if you want your first three months free, use go to buzzsprout.com slash promo and enter in TypeScript. TypeScript is the promo code. <laughs> Maybe we were allowed to pick whatever promo code we wanted. But with that, I'd like to introduce Rafael Franza. I don't know where to start. He's principal engineer at Shopify. He's the number one all-time committer on Ruby on Rails with, as of today, 11,083 commits. Important to me and a lot of the community, he is the architect of the Ruby and Rails infrastructure team at Shopify, which does probably a lot of work. If you read Ruby Weekly any week, you probably see a lot of the work coming out of those teams and is the release manager for the Rails core team. A lot of tremendous work on the Rails core team. And I just don't know where to stop and where to start. So it's an absolute honor to have a Rails legend in the show today. So welcome to the show, Raphael. Thank you for having me here. Be a pleasure. Did I miss anything? I was kind of looking and I didn't want to get like the job title name wrong. I wanted to make sure to get the exact number of commits today, which went up by a couple even here at, at the conference, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, I think about everything, right? Yeah, maybe there is a few libraries on my team, but... Yes, of course. Of like device and C perform. Yes. But I retired on those. I'm trying to push it aside and not doing much work there. I think so. I started writing Ruby in 2014, and I have a lot of memory, like a lot of time spent with simple form. Yes. Right. And I think a lot of the listeners do. You say retired, but like, what's the state? Because I feel like if I saw simple form, I'd just be like, oh, it's simple form. So it still works, right? So one of the reasons I said that he ties, I don't use it anymore. Uh, you know, I work Shopify, but we don't use authentication. Use the device, the forms, actually not using simple form. So it's hard to me to find uh, reasons to evolve the tool. And that's why I say I retire. Like, I should maintain it. I make sure that it works with new versions of Rails, but I'm not adding new features. I'm not trying to build any capabilities in the libraries, neither trying to... Oh, why we were promoting Bootstrap as a design tooling or component tooling, I would say. And now we have so many, right? Like, they wins. One of the things I could be doing is, like, updating that and I have... They win support in simple form, but I do not use it anymore. So I don't even invest time on that. Yeah, I remember there's parts of Rails where I feel like I will always have a look at the docs. And I feel like a 
lot of times when I'm writing certain things with forms, reminding myself. It's not that nothing about decisions. So like, what is the, is it in a hash this time? Is it this argument, keyword argument? You know, I, I can't, yes. or you copy paste one you like, right? And then tweak that to yes. be what you like. But I always thought that simple form was nice. I can't lay out all the features right now because like in my day-to-day work, similar, like not using simple form. By the way, this wasn't even on the list of questions, but I love talking about because so many good memories. Would it have been retired like around the time that Form With was released or maybe a little later than that? No, I think it was before. It was when I joined Shopify, so in 2015. Okay. Oh, 14. I don't know. I don't remember anymore. I think it was 50. And at the time, I completely moved it from I'm using all those toolings every day to I'm not using at all. Yeah. And, it becomes harder and harder for me to care about. Like, I care about the tooling, but I don't care about implementing new things in the tooling anymore. And that's when I retired. Like, there were also some complications, like the company that created those projects, Platform Attack, got acquired, and they were going to delete the open yeah. source repos. Whoa. Not delete, but archive there. Yeah. And there was not going to have any kind of activity development at all needed maintenance. And I kind of said, yeah, I can't take it over, but I'm not doing anything. But just as token gesture for the community, I kept the project alive. For sure. But like I said, I don't use anymore. So that's the hard part. So are they under your name now? Like instead of Platform Attack, they're under Raphael? No, I they're under a org called Heart Combo. Heart Be- Combo? Yes, because up. one of signature PR review for us was adding a heart combo. Oh, like really? All the heart colors emoji in your PI. I think that's the image you see in the organization. Yeah, if you go to github.com forward slash heart combo, there's a few interesting names that you have to know. Like, I know these, but I didn't remember the organization. And then there's some that are like Sparkle Motion. Yes. And then motion. back in the day, there was Active Record Hackery. I think yes. it wasn't that Norg. I only know because I have had to maintain a legacy app in the past that had things that were not being squeal yeah yeah it's weird exactly yeah yeah, yeah. so i worked on an app that was 100 percent all just squeal so my introduction to active record for a job was through that so then i like didn't know what the line was yes what was squeal what was active record and of course active record improves and changes too so yeah okay heart comes with smart motion but i can appreciate that about like you have so much on your plate i can understand it I don't have that experience, right? Because I don't have things that I maintain in open source that people rely on to, for work. And a lot of people don't. Only even after all these years this year, I have a toy side project I'm doing an hour here and there on. And even then I feel like, oh, that's a little responsibility. Like four people kind of care about yes. it. So imagine number of applications still have simple form in them, right? It's probably very large. Yeah. You stopped looking at the statistics, but I, I can tell you it's a lot of downloads monthly, for sure. Yeah. Like Ruby Archaeologist, I love all these tools as well because you go into certain apps and see them. Or like Robbie Russell, who probably upgrades a lot of apps that are on three or four. They're going to have all these things that were quite ubiquitous at a time. Or say Ryan Bates did a screencast on Yes, Railcast, exactly. And they implement that thing. And you see this observers. But I would say simple form is very... It's still useful those days. Maybe something that I always wish is inside Rails. Maybe it's getting better. I know there are pull requests for what's his name now. I know his first name is Ishan, and he is also one of the helpers and maintainers of Stimulus and Turbo. And he's doing a lot of work on the form tags. Actually, not wow. only form, but tags part of actual view. 
But like creating a form today is, is not as easy as using simple form because you need, yes. you need to remember to add a label and then you add the input and then you have to remember that maybe you want to display a error in line. So you, you need at least four lines. It's always the same boilerplate. You yeah. want to show the name of the field, the field itself, a error for the field. And with simple form is one line. You just say, hey, I want to render input for name. Yes. And you get off them for free. And of course, that also means that if you want to change the HTML of the thing, you are in trouble. But most of the time, you don't. You just want to, all your forms look the same. You kind of define this in the beginning of the life cycle of your app. And that's how Superform helps people. So I still think today there is nothing like Superform. I would use Superform for sure, but. I'm not making those decisions at Shopify because we are lower in the stack. That's a fair point. And folks haven't used it or checked it out. I'd recommend having a look at it for the points Raphael said, because the thing about this, it probably doesn't require endless maintainer work because forms are forms. And if the web itself is changing, which is slow enough, most of it's going to be backwards compatible to how a form looked a year yes. ago or 10 years ago just there might be new things you can do and maybe you add or don't add but would a form written in 2005 work in a browser today probably yes for sure yeah so that's the interesting thing about those type of projects is even if you didn't do anything because yes. it's generating this, this html yeah but like people now want to like new helpers like i want to use Wind, and like i don't have time to understand what's the markup that Tailwind requires me to generate to yeah. create good looking forms yeah. But if you use Bootstrap, it's amazing. If you don't, you need to do a lot of work up front. Or oh, me need to do a lot of work up front. But I'm not doing that at would, least. Would it work out of the box? Because is it? would it be like comma, class, colon, and then you just add the classes you want on your... Yes, you could system? do that. But Simpleform has a concept of field wrappers that you can say, okay, all the string fields will have all those classes. It adds automatically. But it's a DSL that you configure globally in the app. You don't need to be passing or every single field. Your field is basically input and the name of the input. You don't need to pass class. You don't need to pass anything else. Yes, of course. All right. So there's a few things that would be great to talk about. And at first, I'll just start out. So we are at Rails World, first ever Rails World uh, put on by the Rails Foundation. It's very exciting, having a great time. And it seems like you can't go wrong between the hallway track and conference talks and Amanda Perino is talking every hour. There's like a Rails documentary airing that I haven't gotten to see yet. And of course, seeing people in the evenings. How are you enjoying the conference? For me, it's been amazing. I think the atmosphere of the community here today is being great. The content is actually very good. I think one of my desires for a conference for Rails was to be centered on the Rails framework. Yeah. Caring about the Rails community is really good for me specifically. It's good to get feedback for the community and like uh, all the love and appreciation people have for the work of the Rails Core. But also it was amazing to meet for the first time ever with the Rails Core team in a formal meeting. Of course, I met with many of those folks, like we work with four of them in the company. Yeah. Uh, I met David many times in many Rails Cores, but we never had a meeting where we say, okay, this is the agenda, let's discuss things. Really? Never? Never. We wow. never had a meeting. This was the first time. It was great. Amazing. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's something that I wanted to drill into. So what you've kind of said that it was amazing. So what was it like? You all work together and there's these 
discussions earlier about trust and how that works or getting help if you need it, but, you know, being on the core team. But I think it's everyone but two, right, are yes. here. Yes. So probably spending time socially, too. Do you think that's good, helpful for the team? Yeah, for sure. Like, like I said, we met in person, but we never had time. Actually, attention span. I'm a busy person. David is a busy person. Like everyone in the team is actually very busy right now. They are not focused 100% on Rails. Although I can do that if I want to, I don't do that because I care about all the problems as well. So having that time for ourselves, so I, where everyone is actually giving attention to the thing we are discussing was really good because we had discussions very deep to think about like new frameworks we want to introduce or like even new experience we want to give for developers, philosophical deep let's say, values that the team cares about. I don't think we actually come up with new ideas in the meeting. We come up before, but we got to new, let's say, concepts that we do not have. Like one of them is just to give examples. We think that some experiences are not good enough in Rails or if in the Ruby community. And we want to actually build things from scratch or actually tear down things that we believe could be better. One of these is the asset pipeline, right? We have his pockets and then we have David spoke on his keynote yesterday that is a result for our era. We did not have good browsers. We did not have like good tooling. And yeah, we still need to do some building for JavaScript assets, but not as much as we did need to do years ago with CoffeeScript, with SaaS, CSS not supporting SE. And now the browser is doing way more. And we can remove all these complexities that don't need to be there. Yeah, there, there's a few things you said I find really interesting. And like, also just like being around the people. So I firmly believe in the power of proximity. Now, I know I'm all remote, work remote, but there is still something about when you have physical close proximity to people, either in your neighborhood where you live, your family, in a room, in a bar, in a restaurant, that is really, really powerful. Not just like the information is such high value and totally different. So if I would have emailed you a list of questions and you email me back the answers and that was the podcast, we would have never talked about simple form. Yes, exactly. So things like that. And then you have this conversation, even on another thing, let's say there's somebody who just on the internet hated Nick for some reason. Yes. But you put us side by side in a bar with a couple of pints, unless one of us is just like a criminal. It's really hard for negativity because people like to work together. And it's like, even if you have a disagreement, you find a way to talk about it over a pint or a burger or something. Now, I'm not saying that for Rails Core because obviously you are a team yourselves. You're not adversaries or anything, but I'm saying even adversaries yes. benefit from like being together. But I would say that did not go to the point where we had like a huge disagreement, but I believe especially with the pandemic <clears throat> and being social distant for a while, two or three years maybe. Yeah. We start to forget that in the other side there are people as well, right? Like we see avatars only, we don't see faces. It's hard to actually sometimes understand or try to understand the other side. They say, oh, yeah, maybe they have a point there. And I need to understand that, okay, I cannot have everything. Let's try to find something in the middle. Yeah, because I imagine if you're passionate about what you do and what you work on and you really care, and I think all, all of you do, then that, that is like you might see somebody, maybe not on the team, but elsewhere, you see the code, you see the PR. Uh, no, no, this is not the direction we're going. And, you know, so it's not always healthy, but then you get this chance to like see the people. So hopefully looking forward, I don't know if anyone said about this, but hopefully like this is like 
a new recurring benefit that the core team gets to have, like yes. with this. Because, you know, they talk about Kaigia, all the Ruby committers always are invited with a ticket, right? Yes. Exactly. So maybe this is kind of like the Rails core are warmly invited to come together. As an engineering manager or an engineer, too much of your time gets sucked up with downtime issues, troubleshooting, and error tracking. How can you spend more time shipping code and less time putting out fires? This is a question I'm always asking myself. Well, Honey Badger is how. It's a suite of monitoring tools made specifically for developers. It's the only system that combines error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and cron and heartbeat monitoring into one clean, fast interface. Sure, you can get familiar with any interface, but why waste your time learning some Franken-style interface that looks like an airline cockpit when what you need is clarity and speed? You won't know if Honey Badger will really save you time and trouble until you can see how it works in your own tool chain. With two lines of code in five minutes, you can see for yourself. Honey Badger automatically hooks into popular web frameworks like Ruby on Rails, job systems, authentication libraries, and front-end JavaScript. Imagine fixing errors before your users can even report them. Five minutes of your time with a free trial is all it takes to see if it will work for you. It just might be the best five minutes you've spent in a long while. Check out honeybadger.io. There is an orientation around the framework, and I'm not comparing to other conferences. I'm saying just for this conference, it feels like we're talking, and I've given talks that are very off the wall, right? I love an off the wall talk, but I'm really enjoying how it just, every talk feels very close to what we're working on in the future of this framework. That would say it's a celebration, right? It's 20 years of Rails. And we are seeing things like people releasing new tools during the conference Mm -hmm. that are not seeing for a while, right? People build something and said, okay, I'm releasing this today. Like we had Marco release a lot of Hotwire related tooling. We had folks at 37 Signal releasing solid cache. They teach promising a few other frameworks during stage. Like it's been a while that I don't feel people building new things in the community and actually going to conference, not to advertise, they're not trying to sell you, but to actually celebrate, they are giving gifts back to the community. Yeah, like what was talked about, giving gifts to each other. That's what we're doing. And and I'm not looking at the size of the gift I got from you when I decide what gift to give back, right? Yes, like exactly. just giving what I'm giving. I have one commit in Rails 7.1 release and it is not impactful at all. But I've got one in there, right? It was like one line docs change. But it wasn't for the sake of it, by the way. It was just something I saw. But that's a very small gift but we aren't looking and sizing these things up maybe this is too simple of a question is there anything that you're really excited about or want to learn more because there's just so many new words like mission control solid cash prop shaft obviously i'll just say my two cents i went to the prop shaft talk yesterday and i feel like i can't remember the speaker's name from 37, yeah from 37 signals and i met him and i said all i did i walked up to him at the table and i said i finally get it because there's a lot of us who could just obfuscate what was happening with sprockets all these years like yeah yeah i know how to what i need to do with it as a user but i'm just not going to think about the four things it does and why it does what it does and why it's changing i'm like i get it now right so there's the prop shaft talk of all these things is there anything that you're really excited about or want to or are you just excited about everything in general i think in general i excited about everything but to me like the conceptual complexion that Solid is bringing to the framework. And also there are a few people, like I think his name is Stephen. He's working with SQLite. 
a lot of people are trying to bring Silicon Light to be okay alternative for production apps, small production apps, and all the solid cash, solid kill, all those things. And like compressing things that are complicated right now to be simpler, like DJH show, I slide with siphoning libraries you need use to be able to run background jobs in yeah. a good way. Like changing that for one line is amazing. So I, I like those kind of things that like make Rails more well-rounded, like we've completed, I would say. Makes possible for one person to create a full app yeah. without a lot of having to select things like, do I need that gene or not? Don't think about that. Just run Rails and you get to what like everything you need. Absolutely. And there's like a phrase that was used. Now it's like a ice hockey phrase, but I, I kind of like it about chasing the puck. And I'm, I'll just say for myself and, and for folks who watching some of these talks, I, I think it's great for, for Rails users. I'm not browser nerd. I'm not sitting there reading the, what's going to be on five. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not hardware nerd. I'm not sitting there like looking at clock speeds and reading in and out because again, the cloud is just I mean, I've worked pre-cloud, but, you know, it's so ubiquitous. It's just like, do you understand AWS, GCP, or Azure? Which one of the three do you know the best? Or maybe you don't touch it, depending on the size of your company. And now there's like this fourth rail of like, or hardware, like being discussed. So it feels like things with the infrastructure have caught up in such a way that we can, I don't want to say go back, but like there is now a legit discussion about having hardware. Even if it's not for you, it's like now something people are talking about in not a crazy way. Just CSS itself. Yes. The browser itself. No build, just JavaScript or no job for the user with Hotwire, like very little. I feel like Hotwire is written for people like me, right? To just every time I use it, I'm like, oh, I'm getting a lot for not having to do a yes. lot. Because the things are repeatable, append, prepend, replace. And if you build in the Rails way, it works with you, right? Yes. So, but I'd say this, that was a theme that really jumped out to me is it's showing how we are able to improve things very clearly based on where the web is at now and why that changed it. Cause yeah, again, I'm not a nerd. So I'd love to talk to you about, you released rails 7.1. Yes. I saw Aaron Patterson, I believe uploaded a picture. You like pressing the button or something. I'd love to just hear how that process was. And maybe you could describe for our listeners, what are the responsibilities of a release manager and how does that work kind of look for you in your mind? Yeah, Sure. I think I'm going to start with like a little bit of my culpa that like the release should be happening in March. At least that was a target to try, but I did not had, let's say, I always felt it was already until, I don't know, two months ago. Yeah. And what, how the release happened is mostly like the release managers pay attention to what we want to include. We don't have a roadmap. Per se, okay. like we just say, okay, those are the features we want, or we need to wait for them. When we have ideas that we say, I, I want to introduce this new thing, and someone is just like, it's a very simple to-do list in Basecamp. Maybe there are five items, like some people add things like some people. One of the things that happened this week is like most of the to-do items, we did not do any of them. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So all the things that are there, we actually build it towards it, but we did not finish the things that are there. Okay. And that's one of the reasons why the release took so long because I want the final part, but we never got to the final part. Yeah. So yeah, like pay attention to this kind of like wish list, I would say. Yeah. Like things we wish to be there. Then people work towards it. Like 
during that period, I'm paying attention to contributions from outside as well to see how they connect with what the other ideas we have, right? Like how we can tell a cohesive story about that release. Like we don't want Rails to be a framework where you have a lot of, let's say, disconnected features that like I think don't work well with the other thing just because they have our way. They really need to work well. So I've been a I pay attention to those kinds of details. Okay, someone had a new feature of Active Record, but how does it integrate with Action Pack? Yeah. So I pay attention to those things. I pay attention to bugs as well, like bugs for new features especially. Because, yeah, if a bug exists in the framework for a while, that's not a release blocker. But if we just introduce a feature and that feature is broken, then it's a release blocker because it's better to release the feature better than a feature full of bugs that people yeah. cannot use. So another thing that I also need to pay attention is dates. So okay. Railroad was kind of a target. Oh, yes, yes, of course. So I had to pay attention to... You said March, but you're like, but definitely by Rails World, right? Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> In the beginning it was March, and then I said, oh, no, 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 it's not possible. And we said, for Rails World, yes, let's do it. So I had a date now, and... Having a date, I had to go back and calculate the amount of time the community would be able to give feedback about the release. Because I could release the final just to the race world without any beta, without any release candidates. To those that don't know the difference, the beta is when you want people to try it out, but it's not a feature freeze. We can add new things after the beta. We just don't remove things. Yes. After the beta. Okay. So when you replicate code, like we say this method is not going to exist in the next version of Rails, that one we cannot add new ones after beta. Like yeah. we, we cannot replicate anything, but we can add new things. But after the beta, we have the release candidate. It's a feature freeze, no more features. Yep. The only change that go there are bug fixes yep. for regressions that people found in the release candidate. So RC1 is like a really big moment because it's like, okay, we aren't telling everybody that this is use it in production, but please go use it. And we're now tidying up what we have. So I'm okay with risk, but I would say RC1 can be, can yeah. go to production. Well, look at what we, we do at Shopify, right? Like yeah. it's like, no, we're, not we're on, on main Not only because of that, because RC can actually be promoted to be the final without any change. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so it's actually... It's not the final yet, but it's actually the code that will be the final if nobody reports anybody. Well, that makes sense. If you look, at it's a candidate for release. So yes. it, it could be the release. Yes. So RC1 and 710 could be the same exact code. Yeah, it's exactly the same. The only change with the version name. That's it. Nothing else. And Were there changes? Yeah. For RC1, we had RC1 and 2. And for RC2, 2. To the final, there was change. Okay. But the correct thing to do would be to release our RC3. Yeah. And then if nobody reports anything, that becomes the final. Okay. But at the same time, I was confident enough that the bugs that need to be found were found already. Yep. You get nervous hitting the release button uh, or command. Not yeah. anymore. Like, Did you used to? I would say in the first years, yes. I think right now I, I do it so much, sometimes once a month, yep. that... I know every single quirk that can happen, like errors. Sometimes errors happen because we release multiple libraries at the same time because Rails is 11 frameworks plus a few 
NPM packages. Yeah. Any of those could fail. I know how to recover any failure. So like, it's mostly automated right now. Not the recovery, but the green path. So I press uh, just call the rake text. It runs. I knows when it fails, when it fails, I fix. It's easy. But I know, for example, Aaron and Lee, they get a little bit nervous every single release of Rails because they don't do often enough yeah. to the point that when something happens, they don't remember how to fix. And like, oh, how do I get out of this situation? Yeah, the closest I could have, because I think people know that Shopify is on Rails main. Yes. On weekly. That's not secret sequestered knowledge. I think I can say I've worked on some of these. I remember my first time and it's obviously just our app, but you know, Shopify is quite big. I look at this big company and when I do the really just bumping a big thing. Yeah, absolutely terrified. But as you can see if you do anything often enough, it just becomes every day. And I guess like I used to be terrible with flying and turbulence. And then for some reason, last two weeks, I've flown eight times with bad turbulence. And now I just don't mind it at all. Yes. So I think with this, as the release manager, I'd love your, you don't have to give a thought or opinion, but if there's a Rails world next year in October, is that something that you might, could be a target again for you? What do you think? Yes. So one of the discussions we had in our secret meeting, that's Ooh. not secret just because it was the meeting. This is an exclusive from Raphael yes. on the podcast. I actually don't know <laughs> if I can tell, but I also don't care. So one of the... Things we discussed is so the final release cadence kind of do what other projects like Ubuntu does. Every April and October, you get a new Ubuntu version. Yeah. Every single year. I think Node.js does the same. I don't remember anymore, but I think it does. So have a cadence that we hope to be less perfectionist. We can release right now, no matter what, yeah. and get used to doing release often. So we lose out the, I'm not nervous, but I'm afraid of saying, oh, this release is actually not big enough. Also like more frequent minor releases, maybe. But actually all the releases, not only minor. Yeah. So the major releases of Rails are kind of celebration moments, yes. but they can happen anytime. People think that happens like Rails 6, 0, 6, 1, 6, 2, and the 7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not true. You can go through like 6, six three. 13 yeah. if you want to. Usually it don't happen that way, but that's true. That'd be interesting because instead of like having this ceremony of like two minors, one major, it's a big deal. If you yes. can take the pressure off, you can release more often because obviously Ruby has its own tradition of like one day every year, you know, like Christmas, yes. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. But then I appreciate like there's so many moving parts here and you're juggling like how intense do you make this release? And then how does that compete with With getting it out? Yes. Whereas if if you take this down, then maybe, you know, it's like, yeah, there's three Rails minor versions this year or something. Yes. And then it's less, because then if something you really don't like, but it's a minor level release, you could do another one like four months later, right? Yes. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. I guess along those lines, is there anything that's on your mind or on the team's mind that you'd like to talk about to our listeners? Or like, obviously there's discussions, but you know, this is a good chance. People are like, interested in what's next and i know there's the talks but you know you've had a meeting with the team what are you thinking yeah so i think one of the things i want to talk about because what we did not have the opportunity to talk about yet this conference it probably is going to be a big thing in the next one but i believe one of the things i'm very excited about for rails 7 2 i believe is going to be that i don't know maybe it's eight no promises but for real 7 2 the next one is better development support when you create a Rails app, it's very easy. 
run Rails and you'll get a new app with everything. You can run your test, you can generate scaffolding. But that's only after you pass the very steep mountain to me that's installing Ruby. Yeah. Install Ruby for me today is easy. I know there is virtual managers, but then you install on macOS, sometimes OPSSL version is yeah, outdated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you need to install that thing. So there are a lot of steps that I think to me are okay because I've been doing this for years. But a person that just left a bootcamp or even yeah. is during a bootcamp yeah. trying to learn how to use Ruby with the Linux machine or Windows machine or macOS machine, they need to install Ruby in the pain. Yeah. And one of the things I'm very excited about is like, I want to introduce in Rails 7.2 a feature that's going to not probably solve this problem. Maybe. Yeah. i probably been too uh, hopeful, but I believe it's going to solve this problem completely because the idea is to use a specification that Microsoft released two years ago, maybe three years ago. Okay. Call it dev containers. Yeah. Is the thing behind GitHub code spaces. VS Code has native support to it. So all you need in that setup for work with any project in any language is VS Code and Docker in your yep. machine. Yeah. Because when I think of Rails now, if you have Ruby and Ruby gems already on your machine, I get Rails, I'm ready to go. Because SQLite, like I have the whole... Yes. And so you're saying, well, there's still one more thing. You have to get the Ruby first. Yes. And if somebody... Like, I know how I do it now. It's changed over the years. I was an yeah. RVM person for a long time, and now I'm like, oh, Ruby install, Cheruby. I don't know if even anyone says Cheruby. I say Cheruby. Change Ruby, you know. And I'm like, I know my way. But then I see people, and they're like, oh, am I on the system, Ruby? Why yes. am I on 2.6? You know, like, and why is it not working? And there are the other things that Rails applications often need. I mean, we are trying to reduce a little bit, but you need a Redis, you need a MySQL. Yeah or Postgres or whatever you want to use. And you need to install in your machine. Yeah. And then you need to remember that you install MySQL, but you did not install the libmysql client, neither the libpg. How do you find that out? It's really hard. If you want to use active storage, you need to remember that you need to install libvips or xlib, something yeah. like a lot of packages that you need to know. And yeah. I know of those because like I work in Rails every single day, the framework. But as a user, you don't know those. You might find in the internet, oh, I got this error, how do I find? But you should not be doing that. There are better things to do than trying to understand what the packages your system needs to have, especially if I use a Windows machine. So the idea is have this, like, you just install Docker and VS Code or whatever. It can be used with other editors. But VS Code is better right now. Start Docker VS Code, you clone a Rails repository, and you get everything running. MySQL instance or Postgres, Ruby in the right version, all the library packages that are needed for the personal system to make the application run, and you get the VS Code interface, etc., and the Ruby LSP. Yeah, that's really good. A kind of like marrying another thing that I'm excited about, like Shopify is working on the Ruby LSP to help Ruby to have more productivity. Getting those two things together, kind of building a cohesive package, easy to use. I thought this every single time. Hey, I made this pitch to the Rails call because I was afraid they would say no. I don't want to actually marry Rails with VS Code or marry Rails with yeah, yeah. Docker. But they are like, oh yeah, let's do it. Because to me, I don't have Ruby installed in my Mac 
at all. Really? Okay. I don't have use dev containers, right? Yeah, I use for everything. I don't have Ruby. I don't have MySQL, Postgres. I don't have anything. But but that makes your life easier, right? Yeah, I then only, you're not tinkering with your local MySQL that nobody yes. knows anything about. Yeah. And then I can like as soon the macOS beta starts, I can install that, and I yeah. have no problem because. I don't need to understand, okay, macOS broke my homebrew installation. I don't have yeah. a homebrew. Oh my gosh, wow. But that's really good because then you have like a clean setup to work in. Yes. And then you're able to see this and the benefit that it can give to users so they can go straight in. And I think there's something powerful about, you say, like conceptual compression. And sometimes, no matter how long we work in this, we have to think like a first day coder. Yes. And, and this is a framework that goes all the way up to like the 15 year coder. But we, I think it's so great that we're still thinking about, let's say you're a person who has an idea and you just want the backpack full of it. I think that was a metaphor once. Yes. And just all the tools right there in front of you, but also keeping up with the times and being excellent and intuitive. And like, you're right. There's that hurdle of Ruby and like all the other things too. So I think that's fantastic. Is there anything else that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you today? I want to make sure that I don't leave anything out. It feels like we've been talking for four minutes, honestly. It goes by so fast. Yes. I think we go over everything <laughs> okay. at least right now. I, of course, we could go to the entire Ruby LSP kind of thing. Oh, I wanted to. But that's a different to. discussion maybe for another day. Maybe I'll have to talk to our host and see if we can book in a few more episodes because I think there's a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Honestly, I'll say, folks, watch the videos if you haven't seen it. I know it was hard for people to get tickets this year because it's quite popular. You could almost have a podcast going over every one of the talks I've seen. Watch them all. They're excellent. Thank you very much for being on the show, Raphael. Really enjoyed talking to you as always. And thanks for coming back. You've been on the show before, I know. Thank you for having me yeah. here again. Awesome. Take care. And this has been the Ruby on Rails podcast at Rails World. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.